Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus 32. Exodus 32. And then here, um, right after that, we're going to look a couple of chapters over to Exodus 34. We're going to read a couple of scriptures. If not, if you don't have your Bible or your, your, your device, it'll actually come up on the screen behind me, I believe. So Exodus 32, verse 15 through 19. It says, Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hand. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God. Engraved on the tablets, when Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there is a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and, and dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. All right, Exodus 34. Anybody ever been angry before? Angry like that? Yeah, yeah, same. All right, here we go. Exodus 34, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablet, which you broke. You broke it, Moses. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain, not even the flocks. And the herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. I want to ask you a question real quick. Have you, have you ever dropped something of significant value before? Have you ever lost like your keys or lost your phone or, or had something that was special to you that you dropped that you lost? I, I don't know about you guys, but I've lost several things. There's been several times where I've lost, like sometimes some of your parents know what I'm talking about, maybe losing a kid. You know, you're going out somewhere and you, you know, lose track of them. My kids are running around everywhere. My son, little Josh is, he's fired up and full of passion. And he loves the Incredible Hulk. Loves the Incredible Hulk. He'll go around the house and he's just yelling and, and, and transforming. He'll Hulk smash. Just like that. Just smashing on Just doing that. We're at Rosie's Cantina one day after a football, uh, basketball game. Me and uh, Josh and Ever. And we're all just hanging out. And we're, we had already ate. And he, we're out by the fountain that the kids love to play at. It's an incredible time, and, and we're doing everything you're not supposed to do, right? We're wrestling, we're fighting, I'm, I'm dipping them in the fountain, doing all, you know, doing the good things that, that dad's supposed to do. And so my son is just like, he's going crazy, and, and here's what he started doing. He started just looking over there, and he's like, I'm getting angry. <laughs> and he's doing this number, and he's not for real angry, but he's just like, and he'll, he'll kind of look around and just, and I'm like, and so I went over to Ever. And I was like messing with her. And then from behind, my son attacks me. Boom, and hits me. I turn around, and he has nothing on but his underwear. Just, he has nothing on but his underwear. You know, if you've ever seen the Incredible Hulk, he, when he transforms, he shirts off and pants are ripped up a little bit. 
And I'm looking around, I'm like, what are you doing? Your mom barely lets you go out with me right now, and she's going to take all my rights away from you. Like, we're in a restaurant. Your clothes are supposed to be on at all times. And so this is my life at my house. And so I purchased this iPad because my computer had had broken and, and it was just, you know, just outdated. So I purchased this iPad, and this iPad Pro, and I, I taught myself into uh, purchasing this iPad and saying, you know what, I'm going to use it. It's got a new keyboard feature. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. I told my wife, she's like, yeah, let's go get you an iPad. We got it. So I got the iPad, and about two days into it, I'm trying to write, you know, some of my book and some of these different things, and I'm like, I hate this thing. It's not a laptop. The keyboard's weird. I don't like anything about it. So I stopped using it. And so I was allowing Bubby, little man, to kind of like watch his little videos on the counter. You know, you can not supposed to carry it around. And one day he's watching. I'm in the kitchen with him, and he's, he's on, on the counter, and he's watching The Incredible Hulk. And he starts transforming again. <laughs> he starts transforming. And here's what happened. He's running around the house. My daughters hate it when the Incredible Hulk comes out. He's going, he's jumping on things, and he runs up, and he hits the chair and the iPad, the iPad. And it's like I watched it in slow motion. (laughs) Boom. Hits the ceramic tile, and it's one of those cracks that you, you know, when you, when you, when it broke, you knew it was broken. And I looked at it, and I'm like, this thing, you couldn't even use the iPad anymore. It was like shattered. And I couldn't get onto him because I had allowed him. And I'm that guy that's not going to buy Apple Care. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the guy that's not, I, I feel like all those things, like, and, and no offense, but everything like at Walmart that comes with a warranty, I never buy it. I, never, I always feel like they're scamming me. But in this moment, I really wish I would have had Apple Care because <laughs> it's so much cheaper. And so here we are. He's dropped it, smashed it, and I can't get on to him because I'm the one that allowed it. And so I don't know about you guys, but maybe you've dropped some stuff along the way in this journey called life. Maybe there's been some things that you've lost. And what I got to, I feel like there's something I need to say today. I have great news. I believe that Jesus is ready to give back everything that you've dropped and you've lost along this journey. I believe he's ready to give it back. Maybe something didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Maybe you went through life and there's circumstances and situations that you've went through. And you're wondering, man, what? Man, I didn't think it would, I didn't ever think it would get this bad. I want to tell you that I believe that God is ready to restore some things today. He's ready to give back some things today. And is there somebody in this room that says if he gives it back, this time I'm not going to drop it. I'm not going to let it go. So I love the book of Exodus because... The Exodus is kind of like a, even in the title, it's prophetic. Exodus is a cool, it's, it's actually the book of the Bible that I've been in for about a year now. I love the book of Exodus because it, it reminds me that God always gives us an exit strategy. He always gives us an exit strategy. See, God knows how to get us out. Have you ever had, had a situation where God got you out of it? You got, God knows how to get you out. He makes a path of escape. 
when I'm, bound, when I'm struggling with temptation or I'm struggling in a situation, I love that my God always makes a way for me to escape. He, he makes an exit strategy for me. I'm thankful, I don't know about you guys, I'm thankful that he got me out of some relationships in my life. Some of you ladies ought to be shouting because you were about to marry somebody that you weren't supposed to marry and God came in and stepped in the way and gave you an exit strategy in those moments. I'm thankful for that. When I, I, and, and, and for some of you guys, I don't know, maybe I'm talking to the wrong people, but for the people that are imperfect, that have made some mistakes, that, that understand that the enemy has come in at times and tried to kill, steal, and destroy, I've, under, I've understood this in my life and I've learned this in my life. I serve an exodus God who knows how to get me out. He knows how to get me out. And see, in those moments, everything that's attached to me has to let me go. Because if he speaks it, that's all that matters. And so I know this, that there's been moments in my life where God has come in and he's intervened. He's given a strategy. And so he's an Exodus God. He's an Exodus God. Exodus, the book of Exodus begins in pain, but it ends in freedom. It begins in pain and it ends in freedom. It's the get me out book. It's, there's a hidden principle inside of the book of Exodus that says this, that God gets you out. Only to bring you in. Do you understand that? God gets you out only to bring you in. Hidden in your exodus, in your moment, hidden in your exodus is a prophecy actually about your future. That God is not finished. He's not done. If I got you out of that, it's because there's a promised land over here waiting for you. So every exodus has, there's a prophecy inside of that. When I, when God breaks me free of something, it's not just so I can sit there. It's because I have purpose and destiny on the other side on my journey. And so I brought you out to bring you in. I don't know about you guys. As God has broken things off my life. There's times where I've stepped into a, a new season or things have been broken off. And as I'm on my way out, there's some things that, that try to attach to me as I'm on my way out. Anybody remember? See, the children of Israel, once they were delivered from uh, it, you know, the Egyptian slavery and the bondage, what happened? They immediately got stuck at a part where Pharaoh's coming after them. What? Trying to stop them from getting to their necks. And then there's also this moment where, with Pharaoh that, that they're stuck in this water. They're stuck at this... This situation that looks impossible, but God comes in in that moment and makes a way. You see, just like that, I believe that God does that for us because God is a God of beginnings. And he's not just a God of beginnings. He's actually a God of new beginnings. He makes all things new, so there's new beginnings. And so I serve a God. I serve a God who's a God of new beginnings. I don't know about you guys, but there may have been times in my life where I was in a mess. I was stuck, but God knows how to make new beginnings in those moments. It may look bad all around us, but God knows how to make it look good. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some of us that that are in this room that are believing for our bodies to be healed. We're believing for miracles. We're believing for breakthrough. And so many times we think that it's it's, it's over and, and, and that God's not working in those moments 
But God is a God of new beginnings. There's sometimes that you need to just say it's going to be good even though it seems like it's bad all around me. I got to step up and speak it out and declare that it's going to be all right. My body's going to be healed one way or the other. My mind is going to be renewed. Chains are going to be broken. My addiction's going to be gone because I serve a God who is a God of new beginnings. He makes all things new. And so it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And and so there's a lot of times that when we're going through a season or a situation, we can mistake silence for disappointment. We can can actually mistake God's silence in a season as a season of he's frustrated with us or he's disappointed. There are, whether we like it or not, seasons of silence. Never mistake God's silence for his separation. Never assume in those moments and those seasons that he's not moving or transforming just because you can't see him moving or transforming. Do you hear me? God is constantly working. He's constantly working. The thing I know about God is he never takes a vacation. He never takes a sabbatical. He never takes time off. In fact, the Bible says that he works all things out for the good of those who love him. See, I serve a God who never sleeps just so I can. So there's silence and see, there's seasons of silence that we go through. There's times where it doesn't seem like God is moving, but always know that he's there and he's moving. He brought you out to bring you in. I bring you through this process of delivery because I actually want you to go into this new process that's called discovery. I want you to, I want you to hear me because on the inside of you is some gifts some anointings, some blessing, some power, that unless unless you go through discovery, you'll never know what it is. Unless you go through that process, you'll never know what's actually on the inside of you. And so you'll never know in a lot of ways how God can really use you. He brings you out because you aren't finished. He's looking for people that are in love with discovery, discovering yourself more than you discern other people. You know, we know how to discern. We love to discern. We, hey, we can figure out what's going on with every person, can't we? We can figure it out, man. As soon as they walk in the room, it's like, man, I, you see that? I know exactly what they're doing. You kind of look around, like, I know exactly what they've been doing. You can tell. They were probably out there discern, discerning everybody else's stuff. Yo, know, God didn't set you free so you can figure out my issues. God didn't set you free so you can discern everybody else's stuff. Actually, what sets the church back so much is that we're so worried about discerning everybody else instead of discovering what God has placed on the inside of us. When I discover what God has placed on the inside of me, I realize that God is going to use me in a great way, that God has a plan for me, that God is calling me maybe not to discern them in that moment, but maybe actually pray for them and lift them up in that moment. Moses, Moses, this is, he found himself at the very beginning. He found himself at, in the palace. We all know this story. He found himself in the palace. He was comfort. He was the prince of Egypt. We know that. He was, you know, Pharaoh knew his name. But God was saying to Moses, I didn't call you to live in the palace. I'm calling you to deliver people from the palace. And so he answers this call, and his life gets pretty crazy in this moment. 
And then, then on top of that, he murders a guy. So his life gets a little bit more chaotic than maybe what you and I are going through right now at this season. His life gets crazy. And so he's, the Bible says that he's on the backside of the desert. After he murdered this guy, he takes off and he's on the backside of the desert. What is he doing? He's tending sheep. He's tending sheep in that moment. And as he's working, he sees a burning bush. Now, I, I think it's important that you know that he was working. He was moving. He wasn't staying still. He wasn't. Some of us, if we've been in that situation, let's be real, we would sit on our couch, we'd be flipping the TV, we'd be doing all that other stuff instead of moving towards what God has called us to do. Instead of taking what I've been given and try to make lemonade out of the situation. Are you with me? And so Moses, he's tending sheep, he's doing everything, runs into this burning bush. Now the thing about the burning bush, that wasn't uncommon in the desert. There was... It was, it was not uncommon for a bush to be on fire in the desert. So what separated this bush from every other one was the fact that it never died down. It caught his attention. It caught his eye. This is something that was different. It was a moment for Moses where something caught his attention in that season. He runs into it. And what happened in that moment is he's tending sheep and God interrupted Moses on his journey. We serve a God of interruptions. We serve a God who interrupts things. I love it when God interrupts a service. Anybody else? I love it when he just takes over a service and takes over a moment. I love that God is a God of interruptions. I love that when he, he interrupts the enemy's plan. I'm thankful for the interruptions. I love when God gets in the way. There's some of you guys that understand that God gets in the way of certain things that have tried to come at us. I love that he interrupts. I love that he interrupts. So, there's some of us, if you're like me, I should be an addict, I should be broke, because of the family, some family, you know, legacy, whatever you want to call it, it's been broken. But I should be an addict, I should be broke, I should be defeated, I should be discouraged. One thing I've learned is there may have been a lot of things that ran in your family, but it stops when it runs into God. You hear me? It stops when it runs into God. There may have been some addictions that ran in your family, but when you decide to turn your life over to Jesus, it stops with you. I want you to understand that it stops because God gets in the way. General, generational curses are broken. You don't have to go through a 35-step process. Because why? Because God got in the way of the situation because he's a God of interruptions. He stepped in the way. He got in the way of those moments. He's Everything has to fall at his feet. When he speaks, it has no option but to respond. There is no arguing with the word. So here we go. Moses. Moses is out here, and, and a lot of us think that he answers the call, goes to the desert, and then he's leading the people out. Like, you don't put the timetable there. I want you to know that Moses spent 80 years. He had 80 years of development. Or discovery for 40 years of purpose. Do you mean he spent 80 years? 80 years. Lead these sheep, Moses, because you're eventually going to lead generations. You see, before God brings you into a place of performance, so before he gives you a platform, he will always bring you through practice. You know, you're not gonna have a football game without practice. You're not gonna have a dance recital without practice. 
If you want to be good at something, it takes practice. See, practice precedes performance. And so God takes him to this place on the backside of the desert, gets his attention. But this is an 80-year process for 40 years of work. I remember when I first started in ministry. Me and my wife had gotten married. We were praying for We were begging God to show us where we were supposed to go, what we were supposed to do. And we decided to, to plug into this small little church. It was growing. God was doing some great things in this church. You know, a couple hundred people, and it, was, it, kept, it just kept growing, and, and it was awesome. We went, into the, we went into the service. Nobody knew us. Nobody knew anything about us. We went into this place, and we just started trying to look and trying to figure out how to fill a need, how to fill a void. And I started noticing on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, the pastor was taking out all the trash. And he was taking care of the, he was taking care of all the, the, the garbage and, and everything. He's cleaning up the restrooms. He was doing all that stuff. And me and Kimberly just kind of looked at each other and we knew right then, hey, we're going to take that off of him. And so we just started going around serving. 19, 20 years old, I don't even know. 20 years old, maybe, just walking around, just serving, doing whatever we could in those moments. And I remember when I was growing up, I was, I was, I felt like God had given me this call of ministry on my life. And, and so I'm working in this church and I'm working for my dad doing upholstery and I'm thankful for that. Like I was taking out car seats and doing all these different things. Like I'm thankful for that because it taught me hard work and it taught me a hard work all throughout my life. Cause I started when I was about five cleaning the floors and doing all that stuff. And I'm starting off in ministry thinking, Hey, you're going to be preaching to all these folks and you're going to be doing this and doing that. And I'm cleaning floors again. Cleaning floors again. And so I'm sitting here. And there was times where I was at the upholstery shop just, God, I went through ministry school. I did everything you told me. I am ready. It is time. God, I am ready. And God's like, no. No, you take out those seats in the hot sun. You go take out those seats. You start doing that. And there was times where I remember as we were serving, as we were cleaning and we were doing stuff, we started working in the nursery of the church. We would get in trouble because our nursery class was louder than everybody else because we were teaching Bible stories. And I had all the kids screaming and yelling at David and Goliath and all this stuff. We were going nuts and just doing whatever we could, working with children's ministry, doing all these things. And I'd be at this little upholstery shop while we're working at this church and believing that God was going to use us. And God would be like, I want you to, I tell you what, you... I'm I'm driving this delivery van, taking some stuff to some of the car dealerships and stuff. I want you to start preaching, whatever I give you. So I'm in this van, driving down the road, preaching to nothing. Preaching to nothing. I have no idea. I, I know that it was like a Coke can right over here. I think it got saved. There were some other things that were in there too. It was a little bit dirty. I have no idea, but I'm preaching, and God God is saying, you preach the message right now. You preach it. All of those steps were necessary for where God wanted to bring me. I would have never been ready for where God brought us, like in our youth ministry here, where this place was packed out with students going on on a, a, a Sunday night and things were going just amazing. I mean, it was incredible. I would have never been ready for those moments if I hadn't have been over here serving and doing little things like that. And it never stops. You see, practice precedes performance. And so Moses in this season comes out of practice. And he, and he told, you know the story, let my people go. Where'd they go? 
I think that that's important. Where did they go? He takes them, the Bible says, to Mount Horeb. But most theologians actually believe that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai is the same place. So where did he take them? Moses figured out you can't take people to a place that you've never been. So this was the place of Moses' most radical encounter that he had. This is where he experienced the burning bush. He takes them right back to that spot. And so this time it's not a burning bush. It's actually a burning mountain. God shows up. When you encounter God, when you encounter God in those moments, you know what happens? You leave with a fresh anointing. You leave with more power. You leave with something new. You leave with something fresh. And so you see Moses, the first time that he encountered God, he came empty. But you know what he left with? He left with this staff that had this ability and this authority to be able to do miracles in that first encounter. What happened in his second encounter? What did he leave with? The Ten Commandments. He left with the Ten Commandments. See, there's some of us in this room, we've experienced the presence of God. You got some stuff. You got some anointing. You got purpose. You're walking in destiny and a plan for you. He has a plan for you and he hasn't changed his mind at all about what he's put inside you and placed in you. And so now Moses right here, he's stepping into his next season. What does he do? I got to get back to where he is. You missed that. I got to get back to where he is, where I encountered him, where I encountered him. And during this encounter, what happened? God gives him the tablets. God gives him these tablets, and he begins to write on them. He wrote on them. In Exodus 19, he, God actually gave him this word. And then what did he do? In Exodus 32, he came in, and he actually took that word and placed it on concrete. On the path of purpose, God will always give you things that you, that you couldn't have gotten without him. That you couldn't have gotten without him. So Moses, after he gets to the Ten Commandments, this great moment, sees God basically fa- almost face to face. It's crazy. After he gets to the Ten Commandments, what happens? Now it's time to go and take these commandments, take them off the mountain. Take them off the mountain. Get them, get them off. Because this gift, this anointing, this breakthrough, this, what I've given you, is never to be kept for yourself. It's never to be kept in a high place. Did you hear me? We have to learn to give some things away. You just got to learn to give it away, Calvary. Sometimes we got to serve. Sometimes we got to reach out. You got to learn to give some things away. You pray for the sick. You reach people. You evangelize. You don't keep the gifts to yourself. There's some of us crying out for a breakthrough and crying out for a new anointing. And God's saying, look, I've given you all this and you're swelling up. You haven't given anything away in years. D.L. Moody said this. He says, I got to be full of Jesus every day because when I walk, I leak. So if you're not leaking, there's an issue. And so we can't cry out for a breakthrough and for a new anointing and all this stuff when we haven't used what God has given us already. And so Moses, go down the mountain. Go down the mountain. And when he goes down the mountain, he hears some things he didn't want to hear. He sees some things that he didn't want to see. There's idol worship. There's a party going on. The very, I want you to think about this. The very people that he risked his life for. That he's been gone. He's been gone and they can't even keep it together. For the time they, they've seen breakthrough. They saw all the plagues. They saw everything. They saw breakthrough in all types of areas and they can't keep it together for that moment. 
He goes down there, and what does Moses do? He starts praying, he starts worshiping. No. He becomes super angry, disappointed, discouraged. These are the people. I can, I can see it because I've been the same way. These are the people I risked my life for. These are the people that you've called me to lead out. These people, this is the best you got, God. This is it. And then what did he do? In that moment, he throws down the very thing God had just given him. In one moment, in one decision, everything he had gotten from God was gone. It was gone. When he dropped it, he dropped it. When it was broken, it was broken. When he lost it, he lost it. Everything that he had gotten in that moment was gone. You see, in that moment, that's when the enemy's voice becomes super loud. Becomes crazy. Tells you that, you know, you brought, you broke this. It's over. That anointing. All that, all that stuff I gave you at that altar call. That freedom that you experienced. It's all done. It's all over. When you mess up, when you lose it, when you drop it, the enemy's voice gets super loud. And he starts saying, you'll never amount to anything. You're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. He starts bringing up those generational curses. He starts bringing up those old addictions. He starts reminding you of all the things that, you, that you've done wrong in those seasons. He'll tell you you've gone too far this time. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to get you to this place to where you're trying to drive forward while looking in the rearview mirror. The whole time, you see, if, I, if I'm trying to drive, all right, and I'm trying to drive forward, and I'm looking through the lens of the rearview mirror, what's going to happen? Eventually, I'm going to wreck. I'm going to crash. And something's going to happen because I'm not going to be able to go forward in that moment. You see, the enemy loves to do this to the church, and this is what he's trying to do with Moses. He wants you to look back at your failure. He wants to look back at your mistakes. He wants you to look back at your all the decisions that you made, that divorce that you went through. He wants you to look back at those circumstances that you were in. He wants to remind you. He wants you to look back at your past of all the things that you've done to blow it. And you think about, here's what the enemy did to Moses. He wanted him to stare right there. He wanted him to stare right there at that mistake. He wanted him to stare at the broken tablets. He wanted to get him to the place where he was not looking forward any longer. He wasn't looking forward. He wasn't doing what God had called him to do. You see, the enemy wanted Moses to stare right there at what was broken. But here's what we know. God sent his son to be broken for you. He sent his son to be broken for you. And so God, in those moments, in those seasons where the enemy tries to say, it's over, you, you messed up, you've gone too far, here's what happens. God is actually attracted to that situation. He's actually attracted to that brokenness. He's actually attracted to your... To where you're at in that moment. He's not running from you or hiding from you. He's actually drawn to you in those seasons. A broken heart. And a broken heart. He is not yet to despise. And so God did not. Here, here's what he did in this moment. God did not correct Aaron. He didn't correct Aaron. He didn't go off on the children of Israel. He didn't do any of those things. You know what happened? I want you to catch this. The only person at that moment... The only concern that God had was with Moses. He didn't, he didn't punish the children of Israel. He didn't speak to them. He didn't say anything. No. Moses. Moses. Just because you dropped it doesn't mean I've dropped you. Moses, 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 Moses. I know you dropped it. I know you blew it. I know you got angry. 
But I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually drawn to you in this moment. Moses, I, Moses, I, I want you to know it ain't over. Southern English, it ain't over. It's not finished. It's just starting. It's, it's not over. And what Moses was, what he was saying to Moses in that moment is like, I, I didn't go anywhere, Moses. I'm right here. Are you thankful for the moments where God showed up in spite of our failures, in spite of what we've been through? That marriage was over, but God showed up and restored it. Those relationships were broken, but God showed up and repaired it. Those situations were, were seemed hopeless, but God brought hope in the moment. I'm thankful for the moments where God shows up in spite of my weakness, in spite of what I've failed, in spite of my failures and what I've done in my life. I'm thankful for those moments. And so he speaks to Moses concerning the tablets. And this is what he says. We're almost done. Maybe. First time. The first time I did everything on my own, Moses. This time we're going to partner. I'm not doing it by myself this time. Actually, you go, Moses. You broke it. You go bring me two tablets. You bring me two tablets. Can you you think about this? God, I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not. I've, I've never chiseled stone. I've never done this. I've never went through this process. You see, what happened in this process and what happened in this season is sometimes, sometimes we have to learn how to do some stuff that we've never done before when you, when you drop it like that. You see, you'll have to chisel through some stuff to get where you're going. Sometimes you have to cut through it. Sometimes we get to a point where we want to, we want God to work everything out, right? We want a life of little trial, little pain. At the minimal about, uh, amount of kickback possible. We don't want any hurt. We don't want nothing like that. But there are some things that you just got to learn to go through. You see, we love to praise when it works. We love to worship when there's breakthrough. We love to worship when there's breakthrough. We'll be, hey, we love on the other side of the Red Sea, right? We'll be shaking the tambourines. We got we got worship dance. That was a horrible dance, but that's the best I got. We'll be dancing on the other side of the Red Sea. We love those moments. But here's what God is looking for. He's looking for a Joshua generation that will stand in front of the circumstance, that will stand in front of the wall and begin to sing in spite of what they see, that they'll begin to stand in front of the wall and shout even though they don't see it in that moment. They'll walk around it. They'll walk around the wall saying, you know what, God, I trust you. I trust your word, and I know that you're good for it. He's looking for a Joshua generation that sees the issue but doesn't retreat in those moments. He's looking for that generation. You see, when you go through those seasons, the enemy tries to take the fight out of you. We had this thing in Master's Commission that came up a long time ago. There was a song that came up that you got to learn how to fight through praise. I've learned that over my life. That sometimes I don't want to lift up my hands, but my hands need to go up. Sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm lifting up a hand and wiping away a tear. That's not defeat. You know what that is? That's victory. The enemy wants to take... He wants you in those seasons. He wants to take the fight out of you. He wants to take the fight out of you in those seasons. See, the assignment of the enemy right now for the church is to get us out of position. To get us to fight from the wrong position. We're lining up with everything else. All the wrong things. 
The only alignment that you need to be worried about is that am I aligned with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I'm not lying to the Republicans or the Democrats. I'm not lying to any of that other mess. I'm lying to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what he says, I do. And so the alignment is important. Where you fight from is important. You see, the, the enemy's goal for your pain, for the moments that you drop it, the moments you let something go, the first thing he wants to do is disorient you. He wants to get you to this place where you, you don't know which way is up. He wants you looking all around at your circumstances, everything that you're going through. When the answer's up, he wants to disorient you. Next thing he wants to do is disconnect you. He'll take you from, isn't that funny? It's like, he'll pull you from church, pull you from this, pull you from that. He'll pull you from, it's like, just, okay, disorient them. I, I get them. Okay, they're focused on the wrong thing. Now they're going to try to find comfort in all the wrong things, but I'm going to disconnect them from the right things. I'm going to disconnect them from the right thing. And the last thing he wants to do is he wants to destroy you. He doesn't care how much hurt. He doesn't care how much pain you've had. He doesn't care about your situation. All he's after in those moments is to destroy you, to destroy your faith in those, in those seasons. I want the worship team to come up. We're not quite done. We're almost done. This is what he says. He says, God told Moses, he said, go get two tablets. Go get two tablets and I want you, I want you to meet me in the morning. I want you to meet me in the morning. I, I imagine as, as Moses is walking up, the mountain. Can you imagine with me? He's probably feeling a little embarrassed. Anybody ever messed up before? You know what I'm talking about. Like when you, when you messed up and, you know, back in the day there was times where I didn't want to answer an altar call because I felt embarrassed. You know, when I was in youth, you know, I, I'd be like, nah, I'm not going up there. <laughs> you know, you're holding down because I, I don't want to be embarrassed in front of people. But you imagine as Moses had made a huge mistake. Dropped the very thing, the gift that God had given him. And what was he doing as he's walking up this mountain? I imagine he's feeling defeated. I imagine he's feeling embarrassed, ashamed. And he's saying, God, I didn't mean for this to happen. I didn't mean for this to happen. I didn't mean for it to get to this place. I didn't mean to drop it. I, I, didn't, I took it for granted. I took it for granted. I took it for granted. And I'm sorry, God. And God says something that's so crucial and so important in this passage of scripture. He says, Moses, extend the tablets. Extend the tablets. And here's what God did. In that moment, he begins to write. He begins to write. And what's the greatest, the greatest thing about this whole thing is that he began to write what was written. What he had written the first time. So what did he do? What was broken is actually now restored. Moses, I'm giving it back to you. It's now restored. And so there's some people in this room. He's about to rewrite some things for you. He's about to rewrite some things for you. He's, a, he's about to, some of those defeats and some of those circumstances you've been going through, he's ready to rewrite it. He's not going to hold it against you. I love that fact. He's not going to hold it against you. Church does sometimes. That's wrong. That's not what we're called to do. 
But he's not going to hold those moments against you. All he's asking you in this moment is to extend your talents. To extend what you have left. To take in that moment and extend whatever it is that you have. Whatever it is that you have. You see, that lets me know that your story actually has power. The power there's power in this testimony. There's power in this story. You see, the things that you walked through with God and didn't quit, didn't give up, didn't walk away, didn't turn and, and go the wrong direction, that's actually your story. That's your power. That's your testimony. That's what God is speaking to you about. That's what God has given you in those moments. See, as a young Christian, I would say, God, take that stuff away from me. I don't want that. But now that I'm a little bit older, don't you dare touch that. That's my story. That's my tablets. That's what God did for me. He rewrote some things for me. He took what was broken and he restored it. He took what I did and the mistakes and the mess ups and said, you're not a mistake. You're not going to be broken anymore. I'm here to rewrite some things for you, Josh. There's people in this room because you messed up. You dropped something. You lost something. You think it's over. It's actually not over. It's not over. It's not over. You see, I've learned if it hadn't been for the hell or in the stuff that I've been through, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't understand. I wouldn't know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If it hadn't been for the fire, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know that I wouldn't be burned. If it hadn't been for those situations, I wouldn't know that he would be there for me in those seasons to break through. I wouldn't have known it. I wouldn't have known it. If it hadn't been for the giant, I wouldn't know that I would be a giant killer. If it hadn't been for those seasons, you know, Jesus is like, if it hadn't been for the cross and Judas, I wouldn't be able to feel your hurt. I wouldn't be able to feel your pain. I wouldn't be able to understand your situation. I wouldn't be able to understand what you've been through. But because of Judas, because of the cross, I understand where you've been. I understand what's going on in your life. I can feel what you're feeling in those moments. Don't take that away from me. That's my story. I want everybody, if you would, I want you to stand to your feet. This is what he's about to do this morning. It's real simple. If you drop some things... There's some people in this room, you're called into ministry and you you drop some things, you lost some things, the church may have told you that you're not qualified. I'm going to tell you that Jesus is actually the one that qualifies. He qualifies. And so if you, you dropped it, you think that your anointing's gone, you think you're... He's here to rewrite right now. He's here to rewrite right now. All he's looking for us to do in this season... To extend our tablets. Just to extend the tablets that we have. God, this is the best I got. Have you ever been in those moments? This is the best I got, God. This is all I got. I'm broken. I've been running. But God, I know you've called me. 
I know there's a purpose and there's a plan and there's destiny on my life. And today, God, this is it. This is all I got. And you know what God does? He looks and he smiles and he begins to rewrite. He begins to rewrite. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.